0: Now, without further ado, this episode of the Daily Reprieve.
1: Recovering from lust. It's uh, nine thirty-five, and we're going to be going until ten thirty-five with your permission. Today's topic is Mission Impossible: The essential role of God in lust recovery. And by design, we left this session more open because we wanted God to be able to move through the convention and to see where we would wind up after these five sessions, this now being the sixth, on the whole issue of lust recovery. And uh, we've traveled quite a journey since the very first session. It will be very interesting to go back and listen to these CDs and tapes and see where we started and where we wound up. Roy has generously agreed to begin us with his own testimony on this. And then we want to turn the rest of the session to open mic. And we would like to ask you to offer your own perspectives on this. Where is God in your own lust recovery? We will keep the shares to one minute so that everyone has an opportunity to share. And uh, I'll do the moderating once Roy has, com- has finished his talk. So with that, I'm going to ask my, uh, Roy to come up and uh, lead us in the beginning. Thanks.
2: Is that on? Can you all hear? Okay. Um Yeah, I'm a Roy sexaholic. Um, I wasn't uh, planning to do this, and um, it's a very important topic, and I come in weakness again. (laughs) My last talk here, uh, the whole physical system fell apart 30 minutes before the talk, and my wife and I were in the room, and she was wondering, you know, what would happen and isaiah 41:10 uh, is still my uh, my password don't be afraid i'm with you don't be dismayed i am your god i will help you i will strengthen you i will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness thank god i don't have to uphold myself i don't have to try to be righteous i don't have to be something and and i'm the the one with the least faith and the weakest faith and so he keeps hitting me over the head with, you know, it's okay, it's okay, just be Roy. Um, you know, this is a very, very, this, it's amazing how they designed this, this sequence of deals. Uh, this is where it's all at. Um, do you feel united, all this part, do, do you want to just come down? Yeah, let's, let's gather around here. You know, let's be a fellowship under God here. Yeah, and and let's kick back and 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 and, and you know just relax and. Uh, I'm a I'm a sex drunk, lust junkie by the way. Anybody else here? <laughs> okay. Any <laughs> anybody else need a power higher than lust? Okay. <laughs> This is scary because I. Hey, thank you. Yeah, that's better. That's better. That's better. What, what you don't realize is I need you guys more than you need me. Do you believe that? You believe that? Yeah. 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 Don't make the mistake of putting personalities before principles. It's so easy in our culture. We have a star-oriented culture. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I never stand on ovations because I feel it's wrong for us to put personality before, just my opinion. That's why I don't stand. And that's why, you know, uh, I feel bad when people stand stand for me. And uh, it's just very personal. But I understand it's part of our culture and it's okay. Um, but we need to look seriously at our traditions. God grant us the serenity to accept the things I have change, courage to change the things we can, the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not ours, be done. Okay, I'm going to just try to center my thoughts, try to center my experience in discovering a higher powerful lust recovery in terms of our 11th step and our third step, and that'll be the starting point. Third step, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God As we understood him. Step 11. Saw through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Um. Okay, now here's a man I've never met before. Okay, Who's, who's a man in the front row I've never met before? Okay, I've, I've, I've never I'm looking at you for the first time. Don't say a word. I want to know you. I want to understand you. So let's say we're in a twenty second century, and we have a machine that'll analyze every cell in your body, every cell in your brain, and uh, I get the report. do I know you I know everything about it, but do I know you why not because you haven't disclosed anything about yourself now the moment you shook your head you began to reveal who you were when I look in your eyes And if you were to say a word and disclose yourself, I would get to know you. This is very personal. You're only going to get my experience, strength, and hope in this thing. One of the devolutions in the 12-step movement from 1935 in the AA program, which I cut my teeth from, April 24th, 1974, to the present, was the open-ended, I think, abuse of God as we understand God. Uh, And when I came in, they were telling me they knew nothing about my background. And they said, Roy, it's, it's just, you know, the doorknob. You're just coming in here, the group, whatever, whatever. And you know what? I needed that. I needed that. And I had studied for the ministry. I was a believer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But somehow that made some sense to me. And, and it helped take the religious thing out of the whole business, which I had to have. But now in my recovery, uh, all I could do, by the way, when I came in and was discovering lust. you know, Sober for the first time. 1974, that was before my slip. Um, Having kicked myself out of the ministry, uh, having gone down that spiral staircase to hell, uh, having met Satan on the streets, having, you know, whatever. uh, All I could pray was, please help me, I'm powerless. I couldn't even say, God, please help me. But I'm working the program, I'm going to meetings, and I'm, you know, getting victory over lust. I'm discovering lust. I didn't even think about the sexual sobriety. It, it must have been five or six weeks passed by without sex. Good night I'm, i you know we didn't have I didn't have a term sobriety because there was no s a so uh, I didn't use the word sobriety. It was just, hey, you know, but it was the lust. This by the way, is part of the background of those people who are asking me what's the historical evolution of the progressive victory over lust in the literature well that's that that's it all. There's a whole bunch there. And um, that worked. <laughs> Please help me. I'm powerless. And it was very, very, very shaky. Well, a time goes on. I have a slip, you know, a couple of years. And SA gets started as it, as it has. And then I uh, several years into S.A., you know, I have my post office experience. And I start, oh, you know, the first time I have, the first time he's disclosed himself, himself to me. Personally. Without a voice, but, but with a presence. Presence. That saves and brings light and life and joy out of hell, out of conflict, out of darkness. And then to rise from that and and, and to just, you know, to feel the glory. So here's now, time goes by and 32 years later, here I am. Have some more water. We got to with our. We got to lead with our weakness, folks. Um, so, about or several months ago, as I made the spiritual, I was convicted by God, in the presence of other people. I was writing this book, Lost Virus, and I, I was convicted not to publish it for the world out there, for, but to make it available for the need of our people somehow. Even though I knew, even though I knew it could never be essay literature, I just felt. And, and, and when I was writing, and I was convicted of that, very, very powerfully, so I wrote a final chapter, Implications for Recovery. The book was meant, you know, for the world. Hey, I'm going to change the world out there. This whole idea of the new lust and what's involved and what's happening in the pseudo-sexual revolution we're in and how we're all pseudosexuals. sexuals And uh, so I wrote that chapter, and what an awakening it was. I did an inventory on, I had to write, God as, you know, God as I understand it. So I'm going to take from this, if I can find it, and read my inventory. I got it marked. I wish they didn't have to record this, but I guess we can say. Okay, and, and, and here, I'll just re- read this. I said, having experienced the ravages of pseudosexuality for some 40 years and then having progressively discovered through continued necessity the presence and working of the higher power in my life, the words God as we understood him, steps 3 and 11, for me became God as I have come to need and actually experience him. So the self-disclosure of God in my life has been a progressive thing based on my need and my, re- and my response to that need in going up and, 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 and as I inventoried that, here's my inventory. And it came out just like this, and I never changed it. If I were to read this again, I'd probably reshuffle it, I'd add, I'd subtract. But I was writing this chapter for us. And it is, it's for us. This chapter says, sums up how incredibly impossible recovery is for us. Because underneath it is something we don't recognize yet. And yet, how how glorious it is. So here's the inventory on God as I have come to need and actually experience him. Just my, I can only speak for myself. This is my story. And then I'll shut up. (laughs) And here are the points. I don't know, it must be at least 14 or 15. Okay, the power must be available within me as close as the thoughts and intents of my heart and soul, lusts, fantasies, and memories. Must be available at the moment of temptation and utter powerlessness. Must be an intelligent personal entity to comprehend me, and what's going on in there and be able to discern my lies and denial strategies. Must be a spiritual entity since my spirit is the playing field of the malady. Must understand and identify with human emotions, my emotions, lust, resentment, Fear. And then I have a parens here. Think about this attribute, the implications are enormous. But that's the kind of higher power I have to have in this moment. Must be able to connect with me at my very worst, regardless of the evil that's in here any time, any place. Must be able to recognize my lust, resentment, fear, fantasy, etc. for what they really are, my death. Even if I don't see them as such. He's got to know more about my malady than I do. Or else I'm up the creek. Thank God he does know more about my sins than I will ever know. Must be able to take the transfer of these diseased attitudes from me so I can be released and free from their power. See, see, I can't take them. I used to take them, and it was destroying me, slowly destroying my spirit and my body, my relations. I can't take it anymore. As a matter of fact, I'm weaker. That one glance in the, in the food mall was it so destructive to me? I need someone there. He must want to take that transfer any time, any place. That, that's a demand. I mean, that, that's something I just have to have. Must be able to raise me out of that self-destructive spiritual death and bring me to life. See, that's what happened in the post office. I'm gone. I'm absolutely helpless. I'm in hell. Because there's nothing in me. I'm destroyed. I know that there's nothing in me that's going to save me from the consequences of that intake that I'm going to be powerless overtaking. And the reason I can say this is, and then to find, to be raised out of it. It's like I'm... You know, it's like, uh, and then some of those first phone calls to Kevin in that first year, first few months of sobriety. Hey, Kevin, she just walked by. You know, she's got a micro mini, high heels. Uh, she's got it on a platter. She's advertising. And I'm helpless and I'm hopeless. And then we just talk. I just share and bring it to the And when I put the phone down, the destruction, I, I, I'm i I'm more alo- I come to life out of that death. That's what we're talking about here. Able to raise me. Must be willing and able to direct my life better than I. Must offer forgiveness and cleansing from my wrongs, guilt, and shame. I came to a place where it just hit me. I need forgiveness. There's nothing in me that's worth it. There's nothing in me. How can I be forgiven? But to be raised from that uh, that guilt and shame must be more real, more powerful, and more satisfying than my lust or fantasy must be holy to reveal and deal with my pollution, and finally, must be and give me something better than what my lust, fantasies, and misconnections were looking for, unconditional redeeming love. That's God God as I have come to experience him. And I hope it never ends, but you know what it takes for this evolution of discovering my God, it seems to be very simple. I can't discover him any more than I can honestly come to an awareness of my needs. And they keep on going. My need in the food court was more intense than it's ever been. I'm grateful for that need. But it's, it's, that, it's that need that brings, okay, the self-disclosure. That's how he's disclosing himself to me. It's not how I understand God. It's how I need and experience him. He's got got the disclosure, the self-disclosure of God. I believe in the self-disclosure of the creator of this world in history. And we we catch glimpses of of it in the people that report on this and that have experienced it. And you and I Are, are part of that process of reporting, and it's marvelous. It's marvelous. And I believe, and I'll close with this, I don't think we can imagine how he's going to continue to disclose himself to lust addicts as lust gets more evil, more pervasive in every aspect of our lives and culture. So the promise is just unbelievable. We are the most lucky, the most fortunate Sinners in the world, in the history of the human race, take any addiction, any foul civilization, any culture, Rome, you know, whatever, Sodom, whatever. And he's working in us. Can you believe that? Can you believe he's working in me? Okay, God bless you all. Thank you.
1: please walk that mic up down to the side here. I think what we'll do now is um, invite whoever would like to share to come to the front and face, face the group either at this mic or that mic and uh, I invite anyone to come and share.
3: Hi, my name's Nancy. I'm a sexaholic. To God be the glory. Um, There was a a strong force that was trying to keep me from being here. Those of you who are here have seen me in a wheelchair. I had a meltdown the first day. I was in tears almost. Uh, I didn't know how I'd get around. This building did not seem very accessible. I couldn't eat dinner the first night. I was so sick to my stomach. I panicked. I was nervous. I knew before coming here, I knew there were things that God wanted me to share. I am absolutely passionate about lust recovery. I had a migraine headache. I haven't had a migraine in years. I had to go back up to my room. I couldn't hear the speakers the first night. Five minutes before it was time for me to share, I woke up. To God be the glory. I pray that He has used my words, um, those of you that I've talked to and those of you that I've shared with in your lives.
4: Hi, I'm Jeff, I'm a sexaholic. Um, I just wanted to uh, say that um, I'm very grateful to the program because it's it's given me something that I never had before, which is the at least the chance to uh, have a relationship with God. I'm one of those people who came to religion uh, to solve my sex addiction um, about 10 years ago. Spent eight years in ultra orthodox yeshivas in Israel. I never got honest. Never got you know. I had resentments. Why didn't my rabbis help me? And the answer is I never got honest about what was happening When I'd come back from Israel for a week or two to see my family I'd put on a baseball cap and go, go where I'd go And never disclose that, never really got honest And uh, I, my home group in, in Dover, New Jersey I met people who had actually had a relationship with God And uh, now it's mechanical Now occasionally I remember when, when lust hits Oh, you know, ask God to help A lot of times I don't Um, and it's very mechanical right now, but it's a start. Thank you.
5: I'm uh, Eric Sexahod. I think I just want to start with first, you know, I'm really a sex headache in terms of right now you you see me as I am, but uh, when I'm in my addiction, I'm a completely different uh, beast. I wouldn't even call myself human when I'm really in it. And that's important that I just state that. And um, I've been trying to use uh, Christianity, I am Christian, but trying to use uh, Christianity as my pathway to my spirituality. And um, the thing that I struggle with, and that's what I want to share here, is that I'm open to my my faith and and God, but uh, I struggle with uh, almost going too much to almost like an evangelical point of view. And I'm... I'm not there, and it scares me. So I try to access my faith, but I've got a lot of fear because uh, for me, it's very easy to kind of go to a place where um, I'll become self-righteous. And um, I struggle with this in my, in my recovery because I'm, I'm trying to access God and trying to find my faith, but I'm, I'm scared that if I, I go too much in that direction that I'll, I'll fall off a, a certain cliff and kind of be this person that uh, that scares me but anyways I just wanted to share that because I needed to be honest about it thanks
6: my name is Miller I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic Um, I've been given the grace of uh, not having to act out sexually for a while and uh, it was at that at that point when I recognized I didn't have to do this I had a choice that I then began to struggle with the topic of lust that Roy talked about. Oh, by the way, we met at TGI Friday's one Friday night in Rochester, New York, when you came to talk.
4: <laughs>
6: and, um, but, um, but what I recognize is that I still struggle with this lust that is, as is, is the book says, it's almost like a virus. It's something I allowed into my system somehow, and it has driven me and I don't want it and I wasn't sure how to get rid of it and uh, that uh, weekend that that I met Roy uh, he talked about um, when he uh, lusted he had a shield a protector which was God and he could turn to God as soon as the thought came into his mind and I my I have a weak ego it doesn't come up with any new ideas so, I adopted roy 's idea and uh, and what i 've done is is this comes up and it happens all the time i 'm not rid of this, but I can give it to my higher power to god and What I recognize is that this program is a program of giving, and I can give to my fellow uh, sexaholics, I can give to people outside the program, and I can also give to god and uh, and God accepts it and takes it away from me sometimes i think he doesn't hear me quite the first time and i have to keep repeating it uh but if i do if i stick with it god will 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 take it and and there's a saying that that i love that said god will work with me but not for me and i've got to be the one to to do the work to initiate it so thank you for listening
7: Uh, Hi, my name is Al, a recovering sexaholic. I want to thank Lawrence and Roy for jump-starting this. My experience of God is at least twofold. One is like Roy's. I was in Disney World with my daughter and husband and grandchildren a couple weeks ago and realized I was just hit again and again and again. However, I was ready beforehand, and I had a little prayer I was saying every time, but I kept score on a Lindex card. And at the end of the night like 102 times these stimuli passed my mind. And I didn't look a second time. They were like victories. I didn't know the total number for the few days I was there. But the score was like uh, 302 to zero. And I knew that was the Lord. No way I could have done that. The other experience I have of God, I don't know how to say this, um, is delicious. It's like I know he wants me to have more than even I could comprehend. The analogy I have is he wants me, like I have trouble with food, he wants me to eat a nice gourmet meal and then not gain weight. It's like he wants me to have both, the meal and the um, lovely consequences. Thank you.
8: I'm Tom Sexaholic. Hey everybody. Um, I've been in and out of the SA program for 13 years, came uh, June 94. I was in Atlanta, and I've been in. This is the fourth time I've been back in, and I came back in in December. Um, When I uh, first came into the program, um, I was um, definitely uh, going crazy. I was seeing things. I hospitalized myself for a while, and I actually became embraced religion, you know, extreme way, not in a bad way. Just, just you know, because I was grasping on anything. And then after two years, um, you know, I quote left God and the program because I, I wasn't fixed. And I was in and out a couple more times and, and I came back in in December and uh, this is the first time I've gotten the fog lifted, some sobriety, some recovery. And I know this is really simple, but for me it was just, I cried out to God to fix me. You know, it says that in a white book a lot, to fix me, fix me, crying out, fix me, please. And he wouldn't fix me. And um, he just said, you need to come to me and just live one, one day at a time. And I had to give up the control to know anything beyond just the one day. And um, I just thank God for, uh, for the program and uh, for bringing me back. Thanks.
9: Hi, everyone. My name is Frank, and I'm definitely a recovering sexaholic. Hi, Frank. Hi. Um, I believe that it was God's idea to create me. And God came into me in that creation. And he's always present in me. It's like the sun. The sun is always there, even if there's clouds in front of it or whatever is going on. The sun is there. So I believe that you don't have to seek him or her. Is that the person is already there. Came into me in my conception. In his deciding or her deciding to make me. So that's the first thing about it. The way I contact that person in me is through my breath. My mind always wants to keep me going, either in my desires, needs, wants for the future or the past. So the way I get out of my mind and in contact with that higher power that lives in me is through taking a deep breath. When I take a deep breath, I come right into the room here with you. Most often I am not here with you. I'm out somewhere in my head. But when I take that deep breath, that brings me in contact with the God that lives in me and brings me in contact with you. And that's been most helpful. I, I want to make a comment about what Roy said about the uh, applause. Uh, that is so true. The problem with applause is that the person that's being applauded can think that their ego, that's edging God out, and, through the applause, that's what can happen. But really, when we applaud, we're applauding ourselves from what we've learned from that person. When I applauded for Roy a little bit ago, it was because how my heart was touched. Happiness arose through what Roy had said. That way, I don't applaud his ego. I applaud the happiness that arose because of the experience. And so I really appreciate when he said the, the problem with applause and Uh, So I'm trying to get out of my ego, edging God out and into my frog, fully relying on God. The way that I do it best is through my breath. Thanks.
10: I'm Tom, a sexaholic. uh, My summary experience of uh, what Roy explained uh, of God's uh, benevolence and presence in my life is the sense that God takes delight in me. Uh, there was just one particular human experience that I had where somebody, just by their expressions, showed great delight that I was going to do something for them or promised to do something. And that delight that I saw in that one person's eyes uh, kind of was a healing of, of all the tentative and conditional love and approval that I had experienced and come to uh, long for uh, throughout the rest of my life. So um, the Lord does take delight in his people.
11: Hi, Dimitri, Grateful Recovering Sexaholic from Chicago. Good to be here. It was great to hear that... um, God discloses himself to me based on my need. Never heard of it that way before, put like that, but it was huge. I even wrote it down. I uh, was officially taught atheism in the Soviet Union. Um, came here at the age of 25, fully blown sexaholic. Uh, tr- um, sensed something was wrong with me, but I guess the need was not great enough to discover the personal God yet. Uh, Became Christian in 95, uh, got baptized, didn't work, continued acting out like hell. It was just terrible, just terrible. Um, I remembered my mother was Jewish, went to Judaism, decided if I circumcised, if I get wounded there bad enough, I will not be able to act out. Well, the pain was terrible, but uh, I went and did it, got circumcised. Two and a half months later, when I was able to act out, I resumed my acting out. And, um, and I remember one morning I began my spiritual journey with a personal God. Deep in my binge, just terrible binge, acting out every day for hours and hours. I remember, I woke up one morning and uh, really didn't want to get out of bed. Uh, Because I knew if I do, the addiction will step in and make me act out again. I walked over to the closet, was trying to figure out what to put on for the day, and just despaired so much that no matter what I put on, I will be acting out again. And then I thought, who took away this freedom from me? There is no gunpoint to me. And uh, I realized I myself took away my own freedom. And at that moment, I really sensed there was somebody in the room, somebody who respects my freedom much more than I do myself. And uh, it felt great. And that's when I began talking about my personal God. things.
12: Uh, Phil Sexaholic? Uh, before I came to the program, and I can almost pinpoint it to uh, to. To a certain time, the depth that my lack of spirituality had achieved. Uh, I remember burying my, uh, my kids at a rabbit. And when it died, I'm looking down at the rabbit, and I really felt that I went to no place more nobler than this, this little furry rabbit after I died. It was just absence of, of consciousness, bleak. And, and even I realized this is pretty far down. And um, I haven't had the benefit of a blinding white light Uh, For me, spirituality entered my life in the form of uh, uh, listening to the guidance and wisdom of of fellow addicts or uh, finally realizing that uh, uh, the needs of my family are are not background noise and uh, just like listening to my kids. And um, I remember when, when one of my sons asked me, Dad, how do you know there's a God? And I said, because you're in my life. And I realized this program was enabling me to be uh, the father to my children and to myself, to self-parent myself like I didn't feel I was parented as, uh, as a child. Thank okay. Hi.
13: Hi, I'm Nicholas Sexaholic. Hi. Um, what I wanted to add to Roy's list of um, how, how I've experienced God is his wonderful sense of humor. Um, I'm uh, I'm running, part of my work, I I, I run a a facilitated group of business women and um, beautiful business women. And we sit for dinner for three hours once a month uh, where there's wonderful food on the table and wonderful alcohol on the table. And I facilitate this group, a sexaholic, alcoholic, foodie. And I'm doing that sober. And the other thing is that, you know, I truly believe that God doesn't forget. This disease costs me a marriage, a house, a reputation, a business, more money than most people make in a lifetime. And I believe those things are being given back to me today. All that I took from thee I did but take, not for thy harms, but just that thou might seek it in my arms all that thy child's mistake fancies has lost. I have stored for thee at home. Rise, take my hand, and come.
14: Hi. My name is Shawl. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Uh, before I came to this program, I uh, would act out And then I would connect with God And I thought I was a very religious person I connected with God all the time I would cry for hours In a synagogue In a room By myself I spent hours saying Where are you God? Where are you God? And I practiced religious things In a way that I thought I was going up Spiritually all the time But I didn't make us Look at the whole picture That you know If you're so spiritual How could you act out? How could you progress in acting out? But I thought I had a big understanding of God I thought I felt very close to God at times I even thought my addiction brought me closer to God As I acted out, I felt closer to God Because I needed Him more Which might be true But there was something different between God before I came to essay and God now And that is God before I came to essay was basically two people in the world I was isolated. So it was me and God That's it No one else existed Just me and God So if just me and God It's hard to figure out Who's real God Me or the God Just I'm one and he's one So What's the Who's the real God here And that's why it was easy for me to knock him out Whenever I wanted So sometimes I said Okay you'll be God Sometimes I said I'll be God Now (laughs) Now I'm here in a room And I'm sick And I'm a sexaholic And I'm facing the truth And I'm just like everybody else here And all the other people here at the convention and my meetings, and I go to meetings every day and I see these people, and I talk to them on the phone. It's hard for me to say, I'm God, talking to these people. I remind them that I'm not God. So once I'm not God, maybe now I can have a relationship with God in a real way, where I realize I'm not God. He's God. But I still struggle with grandiosity, where I want to be better than, and I'm better than you, and I'm better than this one or The judgmentalism still goes through my system Because I've been practicing God for 16 years And uh, I don't want to give that up so fast I, to, I was working hard on being God for 16 years I don't want to give that up that fast It's hard to give that up But one day at a time and, uh, Like Roy told me earlier Action I want the feeling I want to feel God all the time If I get a revelation I want that feeling again and again And after that the actions that comes naturally. I'm not going to tell God when He should reveal Himself to me. I used to tell God, I want you to reveal yourself to me now. So who's God, Him, or God, or I'm God? I have to let God do it His way on His time, and that's real surrender. Thanks. Thanks,
15: I'm Jim. I'm a sexaholic.
16: Hey, Jim. Um,
15: This uh, fellowship has a lot of amazing, uh, very powerful sayings uh, without. God, I can't. Without me, he won't. That leads me to realize that it's my actions. And what are the actions? Uh, I I think principally um, that uh, the connection I have with God, I'm beginning to see the term, it's all about me, in a different way. When my kids spill juice and I scream at them, it's because of what's in here and my lack of connection to God, my lack of actually looking to him and being connected to him. And when I am connected to him, I'm gracious and forgiving and what I want to be as a father to them. Um, as, as, uh, as I give in to lust, I occlude, <laughs> you know, and block my connection. Somebody earlier said it's like the light and, and, uh, But I'm learning as I can get away from the lust a little while that there's a whole other stack of things in my life that occludes my connection to God. And this program is helping unwrap those, and there's just a lot of depths over 50-plus years of of, uh, not connecting to the only source of good in my life. Uh, It it takes some time to turn around, but uh, just wonderful hope and and far more than uh, the lust. Business, but that's the essential one. That was my—that's my way of comfort, and and uh, getting past that is uh, huge uh, and still underway. Thanks for letting me share.
16: Thanks for sharing. Hi group, my name's Larry, and I'm definitely a sexaholic. Um, let me tell you a little bit about the God of my understanding. He is awesome. Uh, he leads me through what I call themes and I'm going to kind of like a theme right now, and that is without my intent, without my working on it, without my doing anything, he sort of gives me um, ideas, principles maybe, and I see them everywhere. And they they sort of reinforce each other. Uh, They were in this morning's um, uh, mass reading. And the theme right now is that I need to have, like, the intent, let's say, do step work or or at work to write a brief or whatever it might be. But he determines my steps. I don't have to worry about it. That boulder has been lifted from my shoulders. As long as I have faith that he'll lead me to the end, he does it whatever way he wants, and I don't have to worry about it. And that's the current theme that that I'm kind of in now that he's giving me. And uh, I see it everywhere. I, I, I hear it in the shares. I see it in my reading, my, my daily recitation. It's, it's, it's really awesome, and I'm kind of looking forward to, you know, what is the next theme that he's going to take me through? Thanks
17: for letting me share. My name is Bruce, and I'm a sexaholic. I'm not sure why I'm sharing other than I, I know I've got a problem with lust, and, and I could identify so much with the, the story um, I was in Christian ministry for 18 and a half years and, and resigned, put myself out of that because and not because of my addiction. And, um, and the whole idea of trying to connect with a God who is out there is very... I can identify with that because I did that for years and years and years and years and years. And I've gotten into this, this program, been in the program for two and a half years and have still struggled greatly with staying sober. I, I think I can honestly say that I was sober once for 82 days and once for 35 days. Uh, today I have less than a week. And, uh, and I just am in desperation. I don't know. I want to find a higher power who can take me out of that, but that will pass.
18: My name is Paul, Sexaholic. Um, I owe a debt of gratitude to God, but also to Roy and to the people in the fellowship that have gone before. And as I looked at the literature, um, I found in my experience that lust cannot be defeated. I can't have victory over lust in months or years or even one day at a time, but it's one moment or one instant at a time. And I've, I've read in the literature, and when I, when I have practiced what it said, then I have victory. Um, I can relate to the stories about being in public places because I live inside my head. And so when I see a trigger, when I see uh, a woman there that I find you know attractive, what I want to do in my addict is to begin to memorize in my mind, to take mental pictures of the person so that when I get home, I can then act on it. And when I'm in that moment and I'm at the store and I see someone who would be a trigger for me, if at that moment I instantly... Surrender and give that person to God and pray for her. I, I, I give you I give her to God, and God takes her away, and I don't look a second time and I walk away, and I get in my car a few minutes later, and the addict says, "Hey, did you see that attractive person?" I'm like, "What person?" Uh, and I say, "And, and I say, um, where I don't have her anymore. Where is she?" And and, and God like kind of says to me. You gave her to me. You can't have her anymore. And that, that like mental shield goes up between me and that lustful thought. I can't access her memory anymore because I gave her to God. And, and I have victory in those instant moments when I do that. When I surrender my will. And when I fall is when my own self-stubborn will says, oh, I'm going to. Look, this time I'm going to lust. But when <laughs> the saying seems so silly, but it does work when you work it. And when I surrender... To God in that instant, it works. Thanks.
19: Hi, I'm Levy. I'm a sexaholic. <coughs> really grateful to be here this morning. Um, I had a uh, difficult childhood, and at a young age, I came to the conclusion that I could not rely on God. I had to uh, use self reliance. And um, <coughs> although I am a religious Jew, and I was brought up with that. Uh, belief, for me it was really an intellectual pursuit, it was an abstract, all that stuff was intellectual, but as far as what I felt in my heart, in my heart I could not believe in God, or trust God, or rely on Him, and um, you know that got me into addiction, and it kept me in addiction for 20 years, and uh, I've been in recovery for 4 years, and I've not been sober for that long, it's been a very uh, difficult journey and path to be able to regain that trust and that belief and that reliance on God. And, um, you know, once I've gotten to that point where I feel like I can rely on God and can trust God, it's just the relief that I feel is just, it's, uh, it's inexplicable. I mean, just to be able to know that there is a God out there who is with me at every moment and really was with me all along. Um, it's just the comfort, the, uh, consoled feeling that I have, the relief that I have is just wonderful. And, um, just making peace with connecting to God on a moment-by-moment basis. I've always resisted that. I've always, um, kept God as a last resort. And, uh, you know, now it's using God, asking God for help at every moment and every difficulty that I have. And, um, it's just wonderful. And I'm really grateful to, um, to him and to uh, all of you thanks
20: good morning my name is Andrew I'm a sexaholic uh, I'm gonna lead with my weakness first off and foremost is that sometimes when I try to think about God I don't understand God as a Catholic man I go through these rituals every day and I say well why isn't this working for me is that not how I'm supposed to get to God and isn't God supposed to stand in front of my sobriety when I say I'm powerless in front of the computer Why don't you just turn the darn computer off? I'm powerless over that woman. Why don't you just drop a screen in front of me? That is in part, part of my understanding and my weakness about God. But I also do have some strength in God, which is that he does disclose things through the experiences of others and through my own experiences. I am not one of the fortunate types of people that have this barrier between how insulated I am and how religious I am that allows me to kind of walk through situations easily and say, God did that for me. Or at least I don't understand that. But I do understand something, that in the last two years and seven months that I've been in the program, and for the most part been sober, there have been experiences that have been revealed to me in others in my own life that has allowed me to say that sometimes I have to step in front of that surrender and then I will feel God's presence for me. I can't ask God to take it away from me I've got to get in front of it and then I know God. And that's when his grace works for me. Thank you for letting me share.
1: We have five more minutes in this session, so I am gonna ask you to, to stay within the one minute and I think we should are there other people who are seated who would like to speak? Okay, we have six people. We should be able to have all you people to share.
21: Hi, my name is Brent Sexaholic. Um You guys have kept me sober. Um, You guys have kept me sober because you um, have allowed God to work through you. Uh, He carried the message to me, um, and you didn't receive one penny to do it. Um, That's the idea that I got when I first got sober. Um, As I continue to conceive God, I've learned more characteristics of this God of my understanding as I work the steps. Um, But I see you guys in SA, people in AA, as a beauty uh, to you, and there's a beauty to every single human being that walks this earth. And uh, I'll be a lot better when I can accept the fact that I'm beautiful too. That's all I got. Thanks. My name is Mitku, and I'm a, a lastaholic sexaholic. I my, the transition from uh, raging atheist that I was in my youth to. Uh, Attempting to live a life of a Baha'i went through this process of intellectually understanding the progressive revelation of God and how he relates to humanity through his messengers. But only recently I've uh, tried to apply this to my own life. And I, I understand how now God works that progressively through my own needs. My heart is this cracked glass immersed in a sea of lust. And every day I need to pump out the lust to let God in. And on days when I'm lazy, there is not much space left for God, and I drown. And I've experienced God in those moments taking the pump from me and pumping out for me, and that's been my savior. But it's also been the example how I need to pump out on my own, how I need to learn to do that on a daily basis. Thank you for letting me share.
22: I'm Warren Lustaholic So uh, I'm so grateful to be standing here and to to be amongst this crowd. It's it's a tremendous privilege. Um, it's, a, it's a tremendous gift of God to have uh, Roy and all these others that uh, you know put the carpet down before me before I came in. Uh, I just want to share that um, I've, I've been dancing around, uh, dancing around the problem, and finally I, I I was just sick and tired, really sick and tired. You know, had it. I just had it with my addict and everything, and I, with the grace of God, I was able to find a sponsor at this conference. I had someone um, on Friday help me out. I had a very serious problem uh, here, um, almost got thrown out of this hotel. Uh, I stand there humbly admitting that, and um, God has intervened, and um, I let him in at least a little bit, and and, uh, I finally did... You know, instead of just reading the steps and, the, you know, oh, that's such a great thing, I actually did some of Step 3 here, 2 and 3, Steps 2 and 3, and uh, I was brought up, basically, I just want to end off, just wanna, I was brought up with the God of Preacher Holism. I think I could start a group, you know, PA, Preacher Holics Anonymous, and that, that never works, both when I'm on the receiving end or the giving end, and I, I, I hope I can incorporate it into my life that that serves absolutely no use for me no use for me and, and it triggers me to act out and do all kinds of sick and crazy things. So I, I'm just I'm so grateful to be here. It's such a gift. I mean, my life is so different with this program and with the people in this program. Thank you very much. Thanks for sharing.
23: My name is Rich and I am a sexaholic. The thing uh, that God um, has manifested to me that is so astonishing is that God wants and craves, in fact, a close, intimate, and personal relationship with me. He, the creator of the universe, wants to have a relationship with me. And as I, as Roy was asking this fellow in the front, do you know me? That knowing is what God wants with me, which is astonishing to me. And, and as I was doing my third step and asking what was wrong with my relationship with God before, it wasn't anything wrong with God, it was what was wrong with me. And now I'm very, very grateful to know that that's the type of creator that we have who, who craves that, to, to know me, to know the person who I am. And um, thanks for letting me share.
24: I'm Sean, sure I'm a sexaholic, lustaholic. I uh, just wanted to share a story of uh, God's love for me. Um, in my chosen profession, I can have places where I have to go sometimes. It could be a little seedy and a little challenging for, for less recovery. And uh one particular occasion, um, I got a call. I had to answer an alarm call uh, of all places to the only adult bookstore in our town. <laughs> and I thought, oh, crap. Uh, there's no way I can go in there. You know, I can't do that. So I I tried to call around, see if anybody could answer the call. And, of course, everybody else was already booked up. And I was like, crap. And for a brief moment, I thought, I can't do this. I can't go in here. I can't go in this place at all. Not and stay sober. And I just cried out, God, I can't do this. I need you to keep me sober. And um, so I got out of my car and I went into this place. The only thing I remember seeing was the person at the counter asked him a few questions what had happened and i walked out i didn't see anything else i didn't see books i didn't see magazines i didn't see anything and uh i just thank god for that because god can do for me what i can't do for myself and the the question was asked in one meeting do we ever have a legitimate purpose for being places yes but i can't decide when it's legitimate or not because i rationalize too much I can always pick up a form at work and go, hey, I'm going to go check the serial numbers on the back of the machines at the adult bookstore. That's not being there for a legitimate purpose. That's me trying to make a purpose. But in it, so I'm not advocating doing any of that. I'm just saying that God can do for me what I can't do for myself if I have no other choice. And I just want to thank God for that because that's his grace, not mine at all.
25: Hi, I'm Tanya. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I'm in seminary I'm starting my fourth year this fall I couldn't be in seminary I couldn't be doing God's work if I didn't have recovery Um, I wanted to be a minister for a long time but I couldn't do it until I got this program Um, between seminary and this program I've discovered that God can be two things God is bigger than I am bigger than the group Bigger than any religion, bigger than gender, God is bigger than anything I can conceive of. And yet God can also be small enough to live in me, to live in you, to live in every person. Um, I don't know if this is a a Buddhist saying or not, but I've heard somewhere that um, one way to greet someone is to say that the God in me recognizes the God in you. And without this program, I couldn't recognize the God in me or the God in you. Thanks.
1: When Kenton shared on Friday night that he never thought there would ever be a legitimate purpose for going into an adult bookstore, I believed him, but that's the first story I've ever heard. <laughs> you found it. <clears throat> this has been a wonderful session and an appropriate way to end what we began Friday night. And... Um, God has been moving in this convention, we invited him in, and if you've learned a little bit more about the God that is trying to speak, speak to you and reach out to you, then it was all worth your being here. And if you haven't, like those of us who've been here long enough to find a little inkling of that God, I hope you will come back. There are many who are maybe in this room even, or in this convention, who feel frustrated that others have found this God and why isn't that God around for me and where is he or who is who is this God? What I've learned, and I won't take even a minute, but what I've learned is that God is waiting to reveal himself to me but only waiting for one thing and that is to unlatch the door and just open it because he's a gentleman. And when I do open the door he comes in and I begin to learn much more about that God and much more about my need for him. I want to thank everybody for their honesty and their shares and for you being uh, faithful in this process of wanting to know how God can come into our lust and bring his love into it and open our hearts. I love that image of the broken glass To to flush our hearts and to purify them again. And um, as someone who's been involved in this convention, when I went up to my room last night, I was overwhelmed with the love of God to the point of just being speechless and in tears. And when I feel that kind of love from God, there isn't any room for lust. It is gone. It is flushed out, and I am filled. And if that is something that you can hang on to as you leave here, let your heart be filled with God's love. And you will not even think about lust. Because God is, is, God is love. It sounds so trite, and yet, those are the three words I think I need to remember more than anything else. That God is love, and that love is mine, and He wants me to have that. With that, I would like us to close...